God bless you. Can we put our hands together one more time for the Lord? God bless you all this morning. Thank you for your presence. I want to go ahead and um, read my scripture and give my subject, and I want to talk a little more about um, my book that I brought back on this morning. But I want to go to Hebrews chapter 11, verses 24 and 25. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 24 and 25. How many are happy to be in service today? <laughs> Hebrews chapter 11. Verses 24 and 25, and the Word of God reads, it says, By faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. And my message today is entitled, Faith Refuses and Therefore Chooses. Faith Refuses and Therefore Chooses. Let's pray and I'll let you be seated. Father, we thank you for your presence today, for we know that in your presence is fullness of joy. And on your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. We thank you for your Holy Spirit today that will guide us into all the truth of your word that we need to hear this day that will catapult us from where we are to where we need to be. We thank you in advance for what your spirit is going to accomplish in the lives of your people today, that we may be empowered to be who you will have us to be so we can do what you will have us to do, so we can have what you will allow us to have. And we bless you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, you may be seated. God bless you again for your presence today. And um, I brought back um, my book from a few weeks ago, Follow the Truth, Forget the Trends, Helping to Restore Order in the Local Church. And I want to thank those of you who uh, purchased a copy the last time I was here. And we do have more copies um, on the tape table um, in the back um, at the service. And um, do you all have that um, information concerning the book? Okay, it's on the screen. So we'll make sure that that's up at the um, end of um, service. And we believe this book will bless your life. And those of you that have already purchased the book and you're reading it, we encourage you to tell your friends, your family members, and we believe that, that they'll be blessed as well. Faith refuses and therefore chooses. Often as we have studied the life of Moses, the great lawgiver, prophet of God, and deliverance agent for the nation of Israel, we often focus on the greatness of Moses when he accomplished great feats for the Lord such as dividing the Red Sea, receiving the commandments, 
coming down from Sinai with the glory of God upon his countenance, as well as manifesting great wonders in Egypt. Those events were the results of his success, but those events were not the recipe of his success. Because when David wrote in Psalm 103 verse 9, he said that the Lord made his ways known unto Moses and his acts unto the children of Israel. And when we speak of the ways of God, that is the Hebrew word, derek, and it means God's habits, his directions, his manner, his course of life, or the act of going on a journey. This is what the Lord made known unto Moses. And God chooses to make his ways known unto those of us who will obey his word without being influenced by outside and inside factors. Moses experienced his grounding in faith when the Lord made himself known to him through a personal introduction with such undeniable evidence and of such divine magnitude until when Moses became, or when Moses was overcome by the Lord's presence, he became a slave to God. And that's why he took his shoes off. In Exodus chapter 3, verse 5, it says, And God said, Draw not near hither, put off your shoes from off your feet, for the place whereupon you stand is holy ground. And the reason why Moses took his shoes off is because shoes were a symbol of ownership, and slaves did not wear shoes. So when Moses took his shoes off in the presence of God, he relinquished ownership of his life. He relinquished ownership of his affairs. He relinquished ownership even of his worship to the ten major gods of the Egyptians by virtue of his training and his culture. He gave all of that up in order to be a slave to God. Acts chapter 7 verse 22 says that Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians, that he had been trained, he had been disciplined, he had been educated, he had the skill and the management in the affairs of men. He excelled in wealth, power, and influence. But this was due do, it was due through the paganistic energy and the idolatrous practices that Moses had been engaged in at that time. Josephus, who was the Jewish theologian, said that Moses was so powerful in the Egyptian kingdom that he eventually became a general in the Egyptian army. But God had to give Moses a divine exhibition of who he was through that burning bush that was of a supernatural origin. 
And God knew that Moses' faith would carry him to the end of his journey with God until God took Moses and honored him with a personal burial. Deuteronomy chapter 34 verse 10 says, And there arose not a prophet since in Israel like unto Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. But it was his faith that began with the giver and the object of faith himself, who is God the Father. Now, in verse 24, it says, by faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. There's one translation that says it was by faith that Moses, when he grew up, refused to be treated as the grandson of the king. And when we talk about by faith, it is simply our ability to act on what we believe and know is true about God and his promises concerning us. Moses, his name means drawn out. And this this just doesn't reference him being drawn out of the Nile River by Pharaoh's daughter. But Moses had been drawn out from among all the Hebrew male babies in Egypt to be chosen as the deliverer for the people of God. Because after the death of Joseph and his brothers, the Israelites began to flourish in Egypt. And of course, the Egyptians forgetful of the benefits that they had received through Joseph's rulership, they began to envy the prosperity of Israel. And they began to subjugate them to slavery. They started cutting out canals from the river, building walls around the city, and erecting pyramids throughout the nation. And the cruelty grew worse. Josephus, the Jewish theologian, says that one of the wise men of Egypt, he counseled with the Pharaoh and told him that a very special child would be born to the Israelites and that if he were allowed to live, he would diminish the, the, the Egyptian dominion and free the Israelites. He would sell, he would sell all men in, in virtue and would obtain everlasting fame. And this is why the king commanded that every male child born to the Israelites would be thrown into the Nile River. And if any of the parents tried to save any of them, they would be killed. And the reason why the Pharaoh determined to do that was because after he heard this word from one of his counsels, he wanted to do everything in his power to prevent God's word from coming to pass. See, but this is what we have to understand about God. The Lord promised Moses, he said, I will be an enemy to your enemies and I will be an adversary to your adversaries. See, this is what God will do. 
God will already de declare to your enemies what he's going to do in and through your life. Because he wants them to hear what God is going to do. And you would think that your enemies would be wise enough to leave the word of God alone after they've heard it. But in their foolishness and in their stupidity, they will still make efforts to try to fight against God's word that he's already declared is going to come to pass. But anytime your enemies will fight against the word of God that has already been declared over your life, the plans of your enemies will always backfire. Proverbs 13 and 13 says, Whoso despiseth the word shall be destroyed. But he who fears the commandment shall be rewarded. And it's good to know that Moses' parents, they feared the commandment of God. And therefore, they were rewarded. Amran, Moses' father, his name in Hebrew means kindred of the Most High. He was greatly troubled because of the Pharaoh's law. See, and when you're God's kindred, you are connected by his word. And so when you are connected by God's word, it will supersede the word that has been declared by a wicked ruler. And so when Moses' father prayed, the Lord appeared to him in his sleep to let him know that since Moses' birth caused so much dread and so much disturbance in Egypt, that he would be concealed from those who sought to destroy him. The Lord let Moses' father know that Moses would deliver the Hebrew nation from the bondage in Egypt his memory would live as long as, as long as the universe. Not only among the Hebrews, but also among other nations. So Amran and his wife, Jacobet, Moses' mother, sent their baby, their three-month-old baby, down the Nile River in a basket where the basket began to connect with the reeds near the shore of the river. Now, remember, Amran, his name means that Jehovah is our kindred. But Moses' mother, Jacobit, her name means Yahweh, his glory that he is he exists he is present he is self-determined to be faithful to his covenant think about Moses's parents names when your faith is in God because he is your kindred and he is your glory you will refuse to yield to men who make laws that violate the word of God 
Because you know that God, he is, he exists, he is present, he is self-determined to be faithful to his covenant. And because they obeyed, Pharaoh's daughter retrieved him. And there is an Egyptian legend that Pharaoh's daughter was suffering from leprosy, and this is why she was bathing in the Nile River. And when she saw that basket of Moses being in it, that as soon as she touched that basket, her leprosy automatically went away. And so she retrieved him and hired Moses' mother by the recommendation of Miriam, her daughter, to be his nanny. That's why the scripture says that whoever fears the commandment of the Lord will be rewarded. Because Moses' mother obeyed God, God allowed her to be paid by nursing her own son. And you have to understand that God will always reward you when you yield to his commandment. When you allow his word to supersede the word of other men. Acts, even though Acts chapter 7 verse 21 says that Pharaoh's daughter nourished and trained Moses as her own son with Pharaoh's permission. Pharaoh's daughter, her name was Thermuthis, and she adopted Moses. Hear this carefully. She adopted Moses to make him her father's successor as the ruler of Egypt. Hear me now. That was her plan for him. Isn't it amazing sometimes the people that train us and rear us and bring us up, they have plans for us that have nothing to do with the plan of God? See, she had no children. And I'm sure that when Moses came to a place that he had an encounter with God, that it was a very difficult decision for him to turn down the succession to the rulership of Egypt. And perhaps his adopted mother could have made him feel obligated that he needed to secede the Pharaoh concerning the throne because she could have reminded him that she had saved his life. But actually, she didn't save his life. His parents, through the direction of God, saved his life. She was just a tool, a vessel, an instrument to be able to retrieve him because God had already saved him. See, when God gives you a position, you don't have to seek authority, you've already been given authority. And, and, and you don't have to feel obligated to function in something just because somebody was good to you. And, and sometimes when people will try to obligate you 
to do things for them because of family or because of pedigree. You have to make a decision. Am I pursuing this plan because it is in the plan of God or am I pursuing it because it is in the plan of men? God allowed Moses to refuse. That word refuse means to deny oneself, to disregard one's own interests, not to accept anything offered, to abrogate, to forsake, or renounce a thing, whether good or evil, to disown and avoid. Moses understood that he was called to do something else, and it was his faith that allowed him to pronounce or declare that this was not his destiny. And I believe I preached this the last time that I was here, that any believer that has the ability to hear the voice of God, we also have to know what God didn't say. As long as you're able to hear God, you have to know what you didn't hear. You have to know what God didn't say. God allowed Moses to grow up in the system that he would liberate his people from as an espionage agent. And God did that because he did not want Moses to become a casualty to the very system that he had grew up in. It says that by faith, Moses, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. It says, and this happened when? When he was come to years. When he began to experience stages of maturity. Exodus chapter 2 verse 11 says, And it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown, that he went unto his brethren, and he looked on their burdens. See, when you begin to grow in God, and when you begin to mature in God, you'll begin to understand much more clearly what's the plan of God for your life and what's the plan of men for your life. And so Moses' ministry began when he began to look on the burdens of his brethren. See, this is what we have to understand about ministry. Your ministry has to become an observatory before it becomes participatory. In other words, your ministry begins by looking, by observing, by paying attention, by taking mental notes of what it is that you believe that God wants you to do. Your ministry doesn't begin with your immediate involvement. But your ministry begins with your ability to observe because God will put you in a place or a position where you can get a extensive or wide view of that that he wants you to do. Acts 7 and 23 says, and when he was four, 40 years old, based on the time that he spent in Pharaoh's court. You have to understand that you're not responsible for where or how you were brought up and the method of your training you receive. 
And that's not your discredit because many times God will allow it. But God will create circumstances as you mature that you will have to flee that environment before you become a product of what people will want you to be based on your upbringing and your training. Think about it. Because before Moses really understood what it was that God wanted him to do, when he saw an Egyptian beating on a Hebrew, he killed the Egyptian and buried him in the sand. And when you're unsure about what God wants you to do, if you're not careful, sometimes your training and your upbringing will make you a killer instead of a deliverer. The very people that God is calling you to help are the people that you will find yourself destroying. You can do more harm than good, even though you may be well-intentioned. Moses had to get his real training outside the system. See, the Bible says it came into his heart to visit his brethren, to look upon them in order to help or the benefit. Your faith has to reveal to you your true identity in God, and God will put a desire in your heart to connect with those of like identity. See, because your outward appearance cannot conceal your inward identity. Moses may have outwardly looked like an Egyptian, Talk like an Egyptian, walk like an Egyptian, live like an Egyptian, but inwardly he was an Israelite. And it doesn't matter how much your upbringing will try to indoctrinate you into someone that God never intended for you to be. People will train you so they can role play you. They will institutionalize you. They will denominationalize you. They will culturalize you. They will westernize you. They will republicanize you. They will democratize you. And some of us are a little mixture. Some of us are republicrats. Some of us are demopublicans. I made up both of those words, by the way. God will help you to begin to understand that sometimes people are attempting to indoctrinate you into something that you were never intended to be. And I want you to understand this today. There is a difference between culture and identity. Let me explain. Culture identifies your exterior, but your identity reveals your interior. Let me say it again. Your culture identifies your exterior, but your identity reveals your interior. And you can't look at a person and determine their identity simply based on their culture. And I say that because God will put it in your heart to be with someone else because you are someone else. Even though somebody may have tried to train you to be somebody else. Think about it. Moses spent 40 years being trained into someone he would never become. 
Pharaoh's daughter spent the first 40 years of his life training him to be the next Pharaoh of Egypt. He never became the next Pharaoh. People will train you all your life to become something that God never intends for you to become. And that's why you have to have your own experience with God so you can have your wake-up call into your true identity in what God is calling you into. Because we know that Moses would spend an additional 40 years on learning what he had learned. Why do you think that God has raised up this church and raised up this resounding message of grace? Because God wants us to spend the next phase of our lives unlearning what we have learned so we can learn what we need to learn. You know, people will shape your life into what they want you to be until one day you will discover that God had nothing to do with it. And when I was meditating this morning by 30, the Lord spoke this in my spirit. He said, you may have been, you may have been like the people you're called to. But you cannot be the people you're called to. Let me say it again. You may have been like the people you're called to, but you cannot be the people you're called to. Because if you are exactly like the people you're called to, how can you deliver them? If you're just like them. So God has to call you out in order to bring you back in. <laughs> and so what God will do, he'll put it in your heart to be drawn to who you really belong to. But in order to choose by faith, you have to first refuse by faith. And faith gives you the right to do so. And the next 40 years... Moses had to be purged of what he was never intended to be. And then God made it fully known who he was and what he would do. So once Moses went back into Egypt to deliver the people, at least he understood the mindset of the people because he himself once had that mindset. See, in order for you to fulfill the ministry that God has called you to do, you have to understand, I can't be you in order to help you. I have to be someone else. And it's my job to help you become someone other than who you are right now. Okay, let, 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 let's try it one more time. I can't be you to help you. I have to be someone else. And it's my job to help you become someone other than who you are right now. Because if we're both the same, we can't do nothing for each other. 
Think about this. When Moses had his experience at the burning bush, when God reveals himself to you at your burning bush, he will reveal yourself to you at your burning bush. God will never show you him without showing you you. Showing you the real you as opposed to the false you that people are training you to be. Because it was the bush that gave Moses his push to walk into his true identity. And when the Lord spoke to him through the bush, he told Moses, he said, I am the God of your father, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. His true identity and spiritual heritage had been passed from his forefathers, and now the torch of faith is being passed on to him. Look at verse 25. It says, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. One translation says, but chose to share ill treatment with God's people instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. The word choosing is to prefer and take for oneself by the influence of a divine God-given faith. Faith refuses and therefore chooses. It is to select rather than just by the act of taking. God wants us to know ahead of time that every choice has built-in consequences that are before you before you make the decision. So it was a continuous act on Moses' part throughout his reformed life and ministry. He was more willing and more ready to do the will of God than to remain in Egypt in pursuit of becoming the Pharaoh. God, through your faith, you always know what to choose deliberately in obedience to God, even if it's unpopular, even if it's illogical, even if it's insensible to the human mind. Moses had a word from God, and he knew the end result once he acted by faith and that the word would manifest. Moses had only one mission that is summarized in Exodus 3 and 10. The Lord said, come now therefore, and I will send you unto Pharaoh, that you may bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. That was Moses' only assignment. Now you have to remember, God gave this same word to Abraham. He told Abraham that the Israelites were going to come out of Egypt. He told Jacob the Israelites were going to come out of Egypt. He told Joseph that the Israelites were going to come out of Egypt. 
But he told Moses to bring them out of Egypt. It doesn't matter who were bringing them out as long as they were coming out. And I found out something. When you're in need of deliverance, you don't need to be choosy about the one that God decides to deliver you. Your only desire should be, I want to get out of this place. Sometimes we can't get, get our deliverance because we have our preferences and we have our chooses and we have our picks of who we want God to use to bring us out. But when you're in bondage and when God wants to set you free, it shouldn't matter who God chooses to bring you out. You should just have the desire to come out of whatever you're in. But Moses became what God identified him to be, which was a deliverer. But God had to first bring deliverance to the deliverer so the deliverer could bring deliverance to the people of God. God delivered Moses from Egypt so he could deliver his Israelite counterparts from Egypt. What God did in him, he would do in them. It says, then for him to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Moses could have had the pump and circumstance, the royalty and regalia, the power and prestige of a potential pharaoh, but it would not last. The writer said that it would be sin for Moses. What would the sin be? The sin for Moses would be for him to walk in a false identity. To become a pharaoh of Egypt when he was called to be a deliverer for the Israelites. The biggest sin we can ever commit is not being who God called us to be. Moses refused to live the life he had been brought up in for the rest of his life because he would have had to deny his people and renounce their future of deliverance as promised by God and prophesied by his forefathers. Moses could not go against the word of God that had already been spoken over his life. He would have had to deny his true identity of what he had been called for. And these enjoyments that the writer talks about, it's not him gratifying any sensuality. But if Moses, there are a couple of things that would have happened as I close on this. There are a couple of things that would have happened if Moses would have took the throne. First of all, <clears throat> He would have been highly ambitious. He only would have been concerned about his own life at his people's expense. 
You have to understand ambition is for self, but vision is for others. It would have only lasted for a short time, but it wasn't intended to last because God gave him another assignment. Your assignment has to complement your anointing and not other men's agendas. Let me say it again. Your assignment has to complement your anointing, not other men's agendas. The last thing that could have happened to Moses, remember when Moses delivered the people on the night of Passover, they crossed the Red Sea on dry land, and once they crossed over, the Lord told Moses to lift up his rod. When Pharaoh's army was in the middle of the sea, their chariots got stuck in the mud. It became mud for the Egyptians. And when Moses lifted up his rod, the sea drowned Pharaoh and his army. Moses got a chance to see that that's where he would have ended up if he would have refused to deliver God's people and chose the throne of Egypt instead of instead for himself. If he would have chose the throne, he would have ended up just like that next Pharaoh. And that's why it is important, no matter how we've been trained, how we have been raised, how we may have been reared. When we hear the voice of God calling us to be someone else, to do something else, to go somewhere else and have something else, we need to be obedient to the call. And faith will give us the ability to fulfill the will of God for our lives. Would you stand with me? The more we are in tune with our identity and what it is that God has called us to be, the more inclined we would be to fulfill the assignment that God has trusted, entrusted unto us. And that's my prayer for all of us today that we will have our burning bush experience. And somebody might be training us and prepping us and preparing us to do something that they may want us to do. But you have to hear the voice of the Lord for yourself so you can be very clear on what it is that God has called you to do. Let's pray together. Father, thank you today for your word, and it is my prayer that every person in this place will hear you clearly and distinctly 
as Moses heard your voice when he encountered the burning bush. Help us to understand that just because we may have been trained a certain way for many years and that we may be influenced by others to obtain something to fulfill their agenda. It doesn't necessarily mean that that is your plan for our lives. And may we have the boldness in our faith to refuse the plan of men and that we will deliberately choose the plan of God. You said those of us who fear your commandment, we will be rewarded. And I thank you for doing it in the lives of your people. And we bless you for the results that are going to come from their obedience. In Jesus' name, we pray and we believe. And all God's people said, come on, give God a praise. Thank you. Amen. Apostle Calloway is going to be out in the lobby. That was another excellent word. Can we thank him again, please, for that word?